My waveform is waving <laughs> hi when I say hi. Anyways, we're waving hi to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Today, uh, this, yep, this podcast is on April 30th. Today is not April 30th, but this will be airing on April 30th. Um, welcome on everyone. This is going to be a um, very professional podcast that definitely fits in with the rest of the podcasts that we do. Yeah, we've decided to make Suey host today because she's the Chaos Gremlin. <laughs> so, uh, Australian, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good, thank you. I think it's really nice that we have essentially turned episode 66, which we are d recording at the moment, into Order 66, where we murder the podcast. <laughs> I don't know the reference, but that seems appropriate. It's it's a Star Wars reference. Google's Order. Oh. See, I don't know what to call Jess, because I don't want to, like, accidentally offend you or something. <laughs> but my brain, like, my... The nickname I could come up with you off the bat was Cute Girl. Yeah, I was gonna say, why is that? Why is that my nickname? I feel so judged. Because <laughs> you're pretty and you're female. Okay, well, <laughs> now this is just stereotyping. Um, oh no! Oh no! It's okay. I forgive you. Oh no! Um, we could give you my initial name, Dits. Ditsy. That's worse. <laughs> wow is that what Suey, you two were giggling about I don't about? want to offend you by giving you a, oh a, a somewhat offensive no, I initially nickname. gave that one to myself <laughs> also Sui hey Jess you're, you are cute grill slash dits I don't like <laughs> I'm feeling really <laughs> conflicted <laughs> like should I be upset are you actually offended <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Are you actually upset? I mean... Uh, in, in... No. So, I, okay. Okay. In, in the sense that I don't appreciate being called a ditz in general. Yeah, but at the same time, okay. I also... sorry. <laughs> I also don't take it super personally. Okay, I'm trying to find, like, a fun thing for you, and I'm trying not to push it too far. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on I it. I think I'm just extra sensitive to it because, like, growing up, um, you know, I naturally have blonde hair. Um, I was always on the, oh. the receiving end of, like, blondes are dumb. Blondes are ditzy. Blondes can't do anything. Hmm. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. That's so dumb. No, I'm trying to find a play fun nickname thing because, like, I'm called a gremlin all the time by this boy. I call my cat you a know, gremlin. Then we just got the Australian over here. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we we. It, it's hard for me to be offended by being reduced to just Australian when my own online handle essentially translates to bloody idiot. So, you know, I have a a high tolerance for, um, just name calling. See, that's why I tried to I go guess. for a nice one by calling just cute. <laughs> Get up. Sure. 
<laughs> well, I'm just like I'm not. I, I won't. I won't um, get in. Open the, that can of worms in particular. <laughs> I, I feel like you're getting too fixated on the whole trying to give Jess a nickname thing. Uh, how are you today, Sui? Uh, AKA the Gremlin, which is what you have dubbed yourself in the podcast recording document. I'm doing good. I'm getting lots of work done for the uh, Dwarf Fortress Hot Potato, which is happening right now. If you are watching this when it comes out, it will be running until Monday, May 1st. So make sure you check that out. Um, you can find out all about that in the Halcyon Frequency Community server, which we should always be linking to as far as I'm aware. So Yeah. It's going to be a, a big weekend. I'm looking forward to getting to play a little bit more Dwarf Fortress. It's been a, a while since I last jumped in and had a play around with it. Mm, yeah, it's been a minute since I've streamed it. I've been playing like for YouTube and stuff, but I'm super excited. Have been mega productive over the past like couple of days. I've been like on a real productive streak. And yesterday I so a while while back I recorded um about 70 short little alert notifications um that are going to be imp implemented onto my channel as interactive channel point redeems and they're like little spoof wise sayings from Grandpappy Drongo. <laughs> That's um, cute. And it features me and my Grandpappy Drongo costume. So uh such wise insights as well, I've been thinking that Japan, the flag of Japan is uh, is just a pie chart for how much of Japan is Japan. <laughs> things things like that. So uh, I actually, I had to program this all into Firebot and uh, I finally got around to getting it all done yesterday. It, it took most of the day because there is a lot of individual moving parts to actually set up the series of events and the order that they need to trigger in and actually just manually loading in all the files and all that sort of stuff but i'm really proud that i got it all done and it feels good that i didn't get sidetracked <laughs> throughout that process because normally i definitely Dude. yeah my I, I tend to find that my mood is better when i actually manage to like check things off my to-do list mm -hmm. oh that's <laughs> this is an ongoing struggle that is like the best days is when like your full checklist or like a good portion of it is done. Like you feel so good when you go to bed. Yeah, like I've got all my hot potato stuff done. I think hey. I got like one couple more things to work on, but like Let's it's go. done and it's not the day of my turn, dude. I this is like high five moment. Yeah, seriously. Um, but back to editing real quick. I literally record my YouTube videos in a way where I can just cut the cut the very beginning until it's like right at the hello and then cut the very ending out and call it good. Like I purposely record it so that I don't have to worry about it and I just go, yeah, no, this is, I'm not editing this up. Mm -mm. I, I do this nifty trick where if I'm recording for YouTube and I know that like what I'm saying is done, I just do a... Just a bleep, <laughs> because the 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 waveform is just like a square wave, and it's so easy to see yeah. in the editing software. And so I just be like, oh, cut here, cut there, smash them together, done. Maybe double check that, you know, it sounds right, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
See, my secret is just to never actually finish an <laughs> editing project. And as a result, just n I have not released a YouTube video now in about probably like six months <laughs> or something. But I've got about eight partially finished videos that I've kind of just gotten either bored with slash I've gotten frustrated with that they just weren't turning out the way that I had to manage them. And I've put a lot of time into some of these as well, which is even more upsetting. And it's just like, part of me is like rationally, like, you know, just release it. It doesn't matter if it's not perfect, blah, blah, blah. Just get it out there, get it done. That way, you know, it's it's there and you can, you know, do it, make it better next time. But then the other part of my brain is just like, no. No, this sucks. Don't want to. Delete it. <laughs> <laughs> Put it into the recycling bin and then set the recycling bin on fire. Dude, I just have to accept, mm -hmm. like, I push myself not to over-edit. I just go, all right, this is in a basic form is done. And sure, it's not perfect, but I'm not going to get it perfect. I just need to post it and I can make it the next one slightly better than this one. And my goal is just to make it slightly better every time, but never spent forever trying to make one perfect. Which is hard to do. Mm-hmm yeah i yeah i mean it's it's kind of interesting because i went through the same sort of feelings about when i uh started doing a, a lot more art and drawing and stuff and i get really kind of upset and frustrated or fixated on the things that i was doing that i wasn't you know happy with and then eventually i just kind of got to a point where i was like you know what i don't i don't mind uh so i mean it's it's weird for me because i can't reconcile the feelings of i understand that i just need to just do the thing and be okay with it not being perfect but at the same time my brain just like refuses and just like no i'm not going to be rational about this and you i mean can't it's kind of me. like when you're having an anxiety like, attack someone telling you just don't be anxious you know it's pretty similar mm. i mean you could control this more than that but yeah well i mean yeah i mean yeah i i have anxiety so I, me I too that's why i used that, it but it's like i have a severe yeah. anxiety yes. severe <laughs> diagnosis here <laughs> woo woo <laughs> uh yeah so um, yeah i uh, that is true it, it's not as as simple as as being able to just flip a switch and, and get it done but it is even more frustrating i suppose when you do have that uh awareness of the fact that you are being irrational but still not being able to tackle those uh feelings yeah you know lately i've been addressing this with um like a new app it's like it's a it's an app mm -hmm. intended to gamify things that you want to be habits and it's called finch and i've been using it for like a week oh. and like the past week i have done so many things that i just normally forget about or put on the back burner or like i'll do that tomorrow or like oh i'm in bed and i forgot to do the thing that i wanted to do too late i'll do it tomorrow you know <laughs> mm -hmm. and so yeah. i haven't tried it with work stuff yet like to put like small like work habits into it like remember to do the thing mm -hmm. and make a habit out of it. But like just IRL stuff, it's been kind of amazing actually. Like I just 
for instance, like one of the things is put something away that's out of place or clean the countertops or vacuum the living room. And then I'm like, I did it. I vacuumed. Yes. Give me five points. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I wonder how like long term that is, like whether that's something that is a viable, like, I, so I guess the whole idea of, of gamifying it is that you kind of get a little bit of a, a dopamine hit for doing Oh, the, yeah. No, absolutely. Every single time I, like, press the button, I get a little dopamine hit. And she's like, yes! Mm -hmm. Ah! Points! <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't help but wonder, it's like, man, how, how, how long I don't know. is that? I don't know. I've considered that myself, but for, in, in the short term... <laughs> Hey, yeah, well, if it works, it works, you know. Speaking yeah, of dopamine sure. hits, we're going to talk about games in a minute here. Make sure you guys stay tuned. We are going to go on a quick break, and we will see you guys in a moment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Halcyon Frequency uh, podcast, episode 66. Um we are going to be talking about the games that we've been playing this week um jess you have been playing some shadows of doubt which i am very excited to hear your thoughts on because i have also been playing this uh what did you make of it um so shadows of doubt i am pleasantly surprised with it like it was on my wish list and i forgot about it and then it just kind of came out of the shadows as the name implies, you know, and it's just boom here. And it is, oh, it's, it's like, a, it's a hard game to describe and to summarize in a couple sentences, but it is a procedurally generated immersive sim where you play as a detective slash PI and like all the aspects of the game are procedurally generated like per run. And so like you're, I think the, like, the core concept of the game is always the same. Like you're in a city and like you have a, a core gameplay loop where you are trying to mm -hmm. solve mysteries or complete missions. But the setting is essentially like a, a hyper-industrialized 19... Late, late 1970s, late 19, or early 1980s era where the corporations have won. And I'm not sure if like the whole world is united under one corporation, but there's basically like one corporation, Starch Cola, that basically is like the leader of the world or something, <laughs> or at least this area. And the cops are all corrupt and whatnot. And so Chad was telling me that the, the back the backstory here is the cops are corrupt. They basically outsource murder mysteries, like just murder cases, to like private investigators. And so that's what you do. Like you have to operate as a private investigator and roam around the city, talk to people, pick up clues, like scan for fingerprints and just contextually build out stories like murder cases, like who did what? Like, for instance, today I just solved my my first murder. There was a serial killer who was going around killing her coworkers. And so, like, I had to oh. go to each of the the murders you know that there are three of them and be like yep this is like the same person same same serial killer signs like same um, death cards and whatnot 
And I had to like break into the office and look up employee files to try and figure out who was on the security camera showing up at victim number two's apartment like 15 minutes before she was before she died. Like, which employee was this? And so it's just it's really fascinating. It's like a, a game of this scope and and calibers, like just not something I expected. And like, I'm just I'm I'm so impressed by it. Yeah, I so I played this first during Next Fest uh, early in the year. I played the demo for it and I was a little bit disappointed because the demo was a time uh. demo and I didn't actually get to finish my uh, murder mystery because I spent too much time faffing <laughs> around and getting distracted by chat and everything like that, as you do. Uh, but I did get to check it out. I actually did a sponsored segment with them for it uh, on release and I had so much fun with it. It is just, it's not normally the type of game that I would get really into, but for whatever reason, it just really clicked with me. The, like the whole murder mystery thing, the procedurally generated world, and just the fact that the whole world is fully simulated. So even while you're on a mystery to try and solve one crime there's other crimes just happening being simulated around you and it's in a very subtle way like i had a moment where i was trying to sneak into an apartment where i suspected the killer was hanging out and to get into their apartment i had to get into the next door neighbor's apartment first and i broke into the next door neighbor's apartment and found a you know human remains in that apartment and i was just like oh my <laughs> god what's what's going on here there's just another random crime happening and it just it is just such a a cool and chaotic game there is just so many cool aspects to it and there's also going to be twitch integration added into the future i don't think it's yeah, working no, it's, as it's of not. recording at the moment but um i think that'll be a really fun stream game have have uh you know your twitch chat become the citizens of the of the procedurally generated city that you're in and um yeah i also really like the kind of like the sci-fi noir aesthetic to it as well i think that's just really fun so yeah this game is definitely definitely something that i was pleasantly surprised to enjoy and i'm very glad that we're on the on the same page in terms of our yeah me too i had some you you like you said something and i i, I had something to add to what you said and it's like it just escaped my brain. It's on the, the tip of my nose and I, I can't think of what it is. Uh, <laughs> this looks really um, cool. I haven't played it. I didn't even hear of it prior to this, but this looks really cool and fun, actually. Yeah, yeah. So this is... Um, the, the developer for this game, as I understand it, is almost primarily just one guy which makes it even more impressive. Um, published by Fireshine Games. So they also publish uh, Brewmaster and also uh, mm. Callkeeper as well. Ugh, I just, I, like, I had it for a second and it's gone again. <laughs> poor, poor Jess. <laughs> no. I, hate, I hate this feeling, you know, like, like I... 
Oh, I can't. <laughs> what what was it? <sighs> something something about Twitch integration, something about sci-fi noir aesthetic, something about the fully simulated world. Yes. I'll come I'll I'll okay. just randomly just interject one, one a little things. later if I remember what it is. Uh the graphics kind of remind good. me of Claude Punk in a way, <laughs> like the voxel sci-fi sort of vibe. Yeah, a lot of people said that. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of people have said that. Oh yeah. my gosh, I remember. <laughs> so uh, the voxel was what reminded me. So th this game to me is like teardown meets like a procedural Return of the Oberdin. If if anyone's played yeah. those games, like. It looks like you're you're in Teardown's world. You don't interact with everything. It's not destructible as as it is in Teardown. But Return of the Oberdin is one of I think my all time favorite games. I love detective games, and the the beauty of Return of the Oberdin is that you can't brute force the questions. Like you have to actually use your context clues. You have to dive in and try to understand the psychology of like the people in the moment and also put sound clues together and and visual clues together and reference things like from completely different scenes and things and to, to build the story and to figure out exactly what happened to the crew that disappeared in Return of the Oberdin. Um, with this game, there's like literally no brute forcing anything. That's been a huge pitfall for like the genre of detective games in general is like, how do you give the player control over over their intelligence, you know, and decision-making without just, like, spooning them stuff or making it incredibly difficult to solve. And this game just nails it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not normally one who's, like, big on detective games or, like, problem-solving games. But yeah, I, I I definitely agree that this game absolutely nails it. Like to give an example of like the the kinds of intuitive kind of clues and stuff that uh, the game gives you. One of the you know the, I think one of the tutorial quests that I did was you would go in. There's been a murder. Um, you know when you go in there, there's a dead body. There's a bullet casing there's a safe that's been opened but in the safe is a couple of really valuable items so you can kind of deduce by that that the motive of the murder was not just a break and enter and then just steal valuable things they were looking after something looking for something specific and then you look through the rubbish and you find a receipt to a uh to a restaurant that was a little bit before the time of death and then you can go to the restaurant and you can um you know download the security footage to see who the person had uh had their last meal with and then you can go and uh try and identify them by asking people who who might have seen them or who who they were meeting or look on the calendar for clues as to you know whether they wrote down who they were were meeting with and what their name was or the alias was and um you know then go around and follow those clues and it actually all comes together in a cohesive way and that is just so impressive to me that you can have those really small nuanced details uh interwoven with a cohesive story that is procedurally generated like it is so so unbelievably cool 
Yeah. I I absolutely agree. Like I I think it's going to be a fantastic game because right now it's it's just released in early access. It's essentially feature complete, but it is not polished. So it's very buggy. Like I've fallen through mm -hmm. floors, <laughs> which was very interesting. Oh, I like fell out of a crime scene and like broken uh broken entered into somebody's home. <laughs> Bro broken entered breaking. Yeah. And just, they're like, what are you doing here? Like, I don't know. How did I get here? I just fell through the ceiling. Like, <laughs> how do I get out of your apartment? Your door's locked. Help. <laughs> and so it's it's very buggy. I Like, my murder case earlier, I went to solve it. And I'm not really sure what was happening on the game's end, but, like, I had the right details. I submitted my case, and the game was like, wrong. This case remains unsolved. And I was like, liar reloaded it and like just went back through the process and for some reason like that worked with the game like it it didn't consider oh, that i like or it didn't consider me having arrested a citizen when i had and stuff it, like it it's just it, it needs a little bit of ironing and it's it's a really mm -hmm. ambitious project and i am very tolerant of the bugs for that reason yeah a hundred percent i agree i think uh for for where it is in the process uh i think i think it's 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 great um and it has a lot of potential and yeah hopefully it just gets better from here yeah i'm, I'm sure i'll be talking about this game a few times in the future <laughs> mm -hmm. like oh there was an update <laughs> uh what about you suey well what, yeah, what have you I've been playing lately played two things recently um, I will start with Sunhaven. I was a little behind the curve in playing the game, but I loved it so much. Did either of you play Sunhaven? I did not. Uh, no, I have not played Sunhaven, but I have watched okay. both of you and I. It's kind of like Same. Stardew, but it's more whimsical, is how I like to put it. So, um, and it's, there's like major differences, right? But, uh... I do really like it. I think I might like it more than Stardew. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. To be fair, though, I played Stardew like a really long time ago, and then I got Stardewed out to the point where I couldn't touch it the game anymore, so I don't really have that, like, I don't know. I don't have, my memory does not serve me well on, ha like, anything regarding Stardew, really. Um, not to say, like, I had a bad impression of it. I just don't remember it super well. Um... But I really liked it because, you know, um, it just, like, it felt really smooth, uh, and I liked, uh, how with the different villagers, um, you can only gift to those who are romanceable, which is really nice because having to gift everyone was a pain in Stardew. Um. Agreed. Yeah, and then I actually like the museum in this game a lot. Like, I wasn't able to complete it. I'm literally one item off, but I spent, like, five hours grinding to try to find that item, and it was, like, an RNG. When you're fishing, there's a small chance you get, like, a special item as well. It's not a treasure chest, but, like, a relic that the fish is basically holding, and I just can't get one of them, no matter how much I try. And yeah That's super frustrating. so this is why i hate fishing mini games and like i thought that you could only carry one <laughs> of each type of relic so i was like oh i'll just keep going until i catch all of the relics and eventually it will have to give it to me and then i got a duplicate and that's when i raged and was like no i'm done like 
I completely finished the game beyond that, you know, and I had a really fun time. I wish the marriage did more because all it really does is change how they talk to you. That's it. Like, they don't even, like, move mm -hmm. in with you or anything, which was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Oh, really? And yeah, also, like, the only cutscenes you get with characters is, like, date cutscenes, like, going on a date with them. That's it. But... One thing I do really like is mm. never give, like, repeat text. Once you've already gone through some text, they stop giving it repeat, which is really nice. Um, so you're not reading the same text over and over from them. Yeah, so it kind of lets gotcha. you, like, get deeper into the lore and stuff. Um, I just really liked all the cities and... Because there's, like, three main areas you can go to and, like, one of them's your basic farm town, one of them is like a really whimsical place and the other one is like super sci-fi that's all i'm gonna say about them to avoid spoiling too much um and i really so like so my biggest question for you is uh, like how long to beat um well i like farmed for trying to get the uh museum done so mine was a bit longer than like a standard playthrough if you were just trying to do the story if that makes sense so I'm sitting at sure. 67 hours. That's not so bad. No. No, especially for this genre of game. This genre of game, like a full playthrough can be like in 100 hours, you know? Exactly why I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> um, There is like a weirdness of at first the story goes pretty quick. And then like you get to a certain point near the end of the game. And suddenly like it's just all the story like the main story just kind of gets halted by like randomly grindy quests um but i didn't really mind because i like having like some grindier quests every now and then um overall i really liked it though and it was really fun so it was cute um speaking of cute games i don't know did any of you play any cute games no <laughs> uh i did play a cute game actually uh desktop dungeons rewind so desktop dungeons is an old roguelike uh game that has recently been re-released re as desktop dungeons rewind which has a full graphical and ui overhaul adds in a couple of new mechanics and basically gets a full 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 remaster treatment um and i've not played the previous version uh so this was my first experience playing it and i really enjoyed it i thought it was pretty cool it's all turn-based uh kind of strategy um, which is definitely up my alley it's very self-aware humor which is not always my cup of tea i i usually find that that can get a little bit tiresome after a while but i know that uh you know some people really really enjoy that um but the gameplay is is pretty fun the animations are, are pretty crisp some people don't uh some people i've spoken to don't love the graphics but the graphics were actually the thing that i looked at and went oh yeah i might give this a try this actually looks all right so yeah um if you're into the original the second the, the new one is definitely worth a try and if you haven't tried either of them yet 
the original desktop dungeons is uh, available on Steam for free. So you can kind of try it out and get an idea of what the game is about. And then if you want to spend the money on getting the, the new one, then you know at least then you have a, a pretty good idea that you'll probably enjoy it. So um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. Is 15 bucks not free to me at the moment? The first one? the new one oh or the there's one? an enhanced version and an old version yeah so de desktop dungeons and then desktop dungeons rewind yeah desktop is dungeons is showing us 15 bucks Mm-hmm. oh really yeah for, oh, for maybe me too. it was only oh hang on Maybe it was only free for a limited time. It might have been a free weekend. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, my bad. Okay. Uh, scratch that. Um, no free game for any of <laughs> Desktop Dungeons. Um, it's, it didn't make it onto my stream and I haven't played it, but I definitely saw it and my eyebrow wiggled, you know, like, ooh. <laughs> this, is, this is a game I would play. Mm hmm. So glad to hear that you enjoyed your time with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely glad that I uh, gave it a try because I was a little bit iffy on it, but it was worth it was worth um worth doing. Honestly, that's awesome. Uh, I'm keen to hear. Uh, your thoughts on Hello 3 Fury. OST, Fury. <laughs> oh, that That's it, Fury. Sui. Now, now you yes. are... There you go. <laughs> Sui. Um, yeah, I played ODST oh, for the dear. first time on stream. Uh, as we're recording this, it was last night, but it was Wednesday um, that I played it. And I had a really good time. Um... I think it's my favorite Halo game so far, actually. Like, the music, the atmosphere. I love really? when you're, like, going through the city. The soundtrack for that is so pretty. And, like, mm -hmm. okay, when it I first got into it, soundtrack. you're not playing as Master Chief. So you're, like, not as strong as you're used to being. And it took me a little bit to, like, be okay with that. Mm -hmm. But I, like, started to love the game as I played it more because... It was just so atmospheric and pretty and, you know, the story was easy to follow. It wasn't like super deep or anything, but it was a good time and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was only a six hour playthrough for six and a half hours, so it was really short compared to the other ones and I had a really good time. So this is like a prequel yeah, to I Halo 3? Uh, it's in between, so it's like starts at the end of Halo 2, but like not at the very end, like towards the end, and it ends like in the middle of Halo 3. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you basically play as an orbital drop, uh, orbital drop mm -hmm. shock trooper, uh, so just a basically like super well trained human, as opposed to an augmented super soldier who master chief is um so like sue was saying it's you're, you're you're a lot more uh vulnerable you're not a one-man walking army um so you have to be a little bit more slow paced a little bit more tactical and stuff but it's still a very very uh fun game and the the gameplay i think as well as a a nice little i guess 
change up from the the normal Halo, the mainline Halo games. It is mainline, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it's very different from uh, 1, 2, and 3, which I've played 1, 2, and 3 so far, and this is definitely my favorite. Um, I didn't really like 1 because I got lost a ton, and, like, it felt ridiculously hard. Like, it was really hard. Mm. Um, And then 2 was a little better. 3 was better, too, but... Like, okay, the thing about ODST as well is it didn't have any levels I hated, right? One has the library, and three has Cortana, you know? Uh, For reference, the library is, like, this really, really long level with checkpoints that are, like, not super great at activating, and, like, these really hard holdout spots, and then Cortana is, like, um, oh, what do you call it, like body horror flesh core whatever you call it like you go through this like fleshy place and like i don't even really know how hard it was i just hated how it was like fleshy and body horror like that i don't do that well <laughs> so that kind of like instantly made me not like three as much just because of the like i loved the combat it felt so good but that one body horror level, that one fleshy level, I just mm-mm. <laughs> it it sticks with you. Yeah, it's that, that was also that thunk thunk was my cat. Hmm, well, <laughs> you probably didn't hear it in Discord, but <laughs> no, I didn't hear it. But I think your cat wants you to talk about a game you played recently. Mm, yeah. Cat games. Hmm. So I played. I played a lot of things recently. Some of them were on stream. Some of them were not. I think the one that I would want to cover those War Tales. And looking back, yes. it seems like FG talked about War Tales too. Um, I haven't heard what she had to say about it, although I do know that she's a big fan. We've had conversations about it. I have not beat the game. I haven't gotten very far, but I recently managed to beat the first area. So I considered it a win. It's War Tales is a game that was in early access for a little while, and it's now reached its 1.0 state, and it is a game from Shiro, like this, the same uh, developer of Northgard and Dune Spice Wars. Right? Dune, they they develop Dune, not just publish it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's an open world exploration RPG with turn-based strategy. And whenever you put open world in front of anything, I'm instantly, like, very turned off. I've been ruined by AAA games that just make shameful open-world titles with repetitive quests or quests that are just unfulfilling and feel time-wasty and don't really feel like they respect the player. Mm. Um, War Tales is open-world, but it's done so well. Like, first off, you're, it's the map is actually like an overworld map. So, like, you run your party around the world, but you can see, like, the whole region around you And you can see other events happening, like traders moving or bandits moving or animals moving on the map. And so it kind of has a board game-like feel. And I actually found that to be a super refreshing take on on 
games that claim to be open world. The combat was... I mean, it's... Like XCOM, basically, right? Like I would say it's like... I haven't played XCOM, I th but I think it's like XCOM. Um, the it, Overall, it was a really fun game. Like, I would... I would love to keep playing it, but I, I know I couldn't stick with it, which is why I finished the first area and called it called it quits. But it's it's got it's got a whole campaign. It's got new areas that came with it in the 1.0 release, and I like I maybe I should just go for it and play more. My little group of mercenaries, you know, it's getting pretty big. There's like ten of us. We have some like battle ponies and stuff. And I think I think you can have yeah, like we'll an tell... unlimited party size, or at least up to twenty. Yeah, well, War Tales is a game that I am desperate to try out. I'm really looking forward to giving it a try sometime in the in the near future. I'm not sure when, but it is on my list. I wonder how it plays on the Steam Deck because maybe I could just like play that by myself. Steam Deck it. Mm. I've actually gotten into yep. a turn-based game recently, which, like, I've always been kind of, like, eh toward turn-based games. Like, so I think it was honestly just being a student, and my brain was already being worked really hard, and I just didn't want to think when I would game. But now, like, I haven't been a student for a while, and I kind of am enjoying some turn-based. Um, I've been playing Divinity 2 with uh Suboy and one of his friends and I've been loving it like I know it's kind of a game that came out a while ago and everything but it's been a really good time um and I might be into turn-based games now <laughs> I I'm I assume that you're referring to Divinity Original Sin 2 right yeah, yeah yeah okay um yes that is regarded as like one of the best games in the genre like turn-based mm -hmm. strategy sort of like tabletopy dnd pathfinder inspired i have never gotten past the first area oh man <laughs> you're stuck in fort joy i've tried i've i have played for 27 but hours what a first area say that again what a first area i've it never finished so it good. i've played for 27 hours <laughs> in one playthrough <laughs> no multiple playthroughs which is like me and Celentre would start a playthrough and we would get most of the way through the first area and then forget about it and then oh man we can't remember what happened okay let's start over oh no <laughs> and this has happened many times since it dropped in 2017 <laughs> yeah we're in the yeah. second area it is one of my favorite yeah. games of all time it is absolutely magnificent i love divinity original yeah Sin too. um if you know what I'm talking about, Drongo, we took the boat. We took the boat. Okay. Is that what you what, what Yeah, you're we up took to the now, boat and we're trying to find the dude that can take off the uh chains, the like necklace thing. So gotcha. we're pretty early gotcha. in. But we're not in the first area still. Yeah. There's still a lot of good a lot of really good stuff coming oh uh, and i have the squirrel following this. me no the squirrel yeah. i love the squirrel it's so good and the cat yeah um suboy's friend got the cat mm. yeah i'm playing Lucky. summoner and it's so fun 
also OP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very OP. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess you're, you might, you must be excited for Baldur's Gate 3 then. It's by uh, the same studio. I don't know. <laughs> uh, only if it's co-op because like, I'm just having fun playing it with them, you know, like, cause, um, Suboy's friend isn't really big on the same genre I am. And so like, it's hard for us to find stuff that all three of us want to play together. Yeah. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 is yeah, the, right. um, is Larian Studios, like most recent, uh, endeavor into mm. into like the tabletop rpg-esque video game spin okay and and so that that one's already available to play but it's in early access and like the game is still being built they're just players are actually just generating info for them so they can make decisions about like how to develop the game mm. they publish like very frequent devlogs on the progress of development with Baldur's Gate 3, which I have not been following, but I ha I did watch some of the initial videos and they like are using player data to generate heat maps and things like where players are going, where players are dying, like where things are too hard or too easy. Hmm. And super cool. Like I bet, I bet Baldur's Gate 3 will be right up your alley then. Yeah. Because that one is co-op as well. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check out Baldur's Gate 3. That is, that is on... Near the top of my list of Pop games to the that wish I'm looking list. forward to um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been so fun, though, like, because, I don't know, I've just never really been, like, a medieval-type person, and I've never really been, like, a strategy, like, tactical or turn-based person, but, like, when you're playing it with friends, it's totally different, you know, like, I make dumb mistakes today. I literally teleported an archer that was like in our face. I was like, oh, we don't want an enemy in our face. I'll teleport it away from us. It was an archer. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that 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 kind of helps them out a little bit. <laughs> and it, like it? they were just like, Suey, you just teleported an archer away from us. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Suey, what is an archer? And I'm like, it shoots things. And like Yes, and it's right. Oh, I see. <laughs> like, it took a minute for it to click of, oh, I did a bad. I mean, I'm also, like, constantly running into things and starting fights on accident, and I'm just like, guys, help me. I started a fight again. Typical. Yeah. Typical gremlin. Yeah, gremlin things. <laughs> yeah anyway um speaking of like spell casting and stuff um i see you have a game called the last spell did, did you already talk about that i don't know did i i don't know <laughs> no you haven't spoken i haven't uh yeah i can talk about the last spell i played it a little bit on stream but for the most part this has been uh this this has been like mostly a me game I had a sponsorship to play it a while back, and so I've I've actually been sponsored to play this game multiple times throughout development. Like when it first came out, it, like into maybe it was alpha or early early access beta, and then like there was a really big update. And I played it then, and then I was sponsored to play the 1.0 release. So full disclosure, and it's really good now. Like when I first started playing, I felt it was so difficult. But 
the 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 1.0 release has definitely been enjoyable. I've played about a hundred hours now <laughs> since it released at the start of March. Um, the last spell is basically they are billions meets. I, I, I want to say XCOM. I'm pretty sure that's what chat said. Like again, I haven't played XCOM, but they are billions meets XCOM. So it's also a tactical RPG. It's turn-based. You control a group of heroes, up to six, and you have to fight off waves of enemies. And so they come every night, and they flood your city. You have to protect the mages who are casting, you know, the last spell. And it really involves, like, a, a lot of tactical decision-making. And the super satisfying part is when you finish a night, and you get all your resources and your money, and... You get to like figure out how to spend those resources. Like, are you gonna build defenses? Are you gonna buy new gear? Are you gonna get new heroes and things? And I, I just had to. There was there was a minute there where like I could not stop playing this game, and I kept going to bed late every single night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this game is so bad for me. My sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually, I have a question for the Australian in the room. How's Stranded Alien Dawn? Because I mm -hmm. am planning to play it soon. Uh, it's good. It's good. I originally played this when <clears throat> it came out to early access. It's just come out to 1.0 now. And when I first played it, I was pretty indifferent on it, like it just didn't grab me and i didn't really feel like at the time it had a a huge amount to offer that really made it special compared to other games in the genre um which is kind of like sort of colony survival management sort of games very much in the same uh vein as rimworld and uh i i just didn't love it but having played it now at the 1.0 release it has come a, a pretty long way in terms of how it plays and it's been fleshed out a little bit more. It feels much more complete now. And I've played it now for the last couple of streams in a row. So I put about 10 hours into the game and it's given me the chance to kind of see what separates it out from games like RimWorld. It has a lot of mechanics that are extremely similar. And I think anybody who's played RimWorld picking it up for the first time will intuitively understand what a lot of the interfaces and things are like managing managing your schedule uh you know setting up work orders setting up um work tabs and things like that all very much uh managed in the same way as they are in rimworld uh but there is also some really cool aspects or different aspects that kind of set it aside and uh, one thing that I really like is the fact that you're, you know, you've crash landed on this alien planet, at least in one of the scenarios, and you have to observe and discover what the animals and plants and various resources are, uh, around you, what they are, which I kind of like as a world building tool and a way to kind of introduce you to the world as a whole. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Instellaris, how you can go around and you can research like archaeology sites and, um, you know, uh, anomalies and things like that. And that was always one of my favorite mechanics in that game. And, uh, you know, the, the gameplay itself is a, is a lot 
a lot smoother than it was and and combat feels you know reasonably good now it's it's definitely not perfect but it's it's reasonably good and yeah i've i've enjoyed it i i think it's a really solid game and i think if you do enjoy the colony survival management genre then it's definitely worth picking up and, and well, taking i'm excited a look at. to try it out then <laughs> all right well i think yeah we've... i mean oh sorry no go ahead no, no no i was about to close this out here and move over that's fine no, 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 say what you're going to say. What I have to say does not matter. Say it! <laughs> I was going to say, you might have changed my mind on playing this game. I have judged it based on its title. I know you're not supposed to do that. But, like, they put the word alien in a game, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm not interested. <laughs> I, I'm really, like, a, a fantasy and, like, high fantasy lover. So, like... Mm. <laughs> yes. I think if... It if you can get on board with the level of like alien in quotation marks that like Rimworld offers, then this is not a bridge too far departure away from that. It's still uh, a game that feels fairly grounded in not being like overly sci-fi. It's still got some kind of like fairly nitty gritty elements to it. That's, um, you know, a little bit more kind of, primitive you start out by building like basic shelters campfires things like that and then you progress from there that's yeah that sounds interesting like i've i've been watching some gameplay maybe maybe next week i'll try it out yeah keen to hear what you think if i play it <laughs> if, if you play it in which case i don't care what you have to say about <laughs> it it's got <laughs> aliens in the title <laughs> I, mean, I should learn my lesson like I judged War Tales because it had open world in, in the genre description <laughs> or in the t in the game description <laughs> hard to tell man well anyway it seems we have covered all the games that we wanted to talk about so we're gonna go ahead and head on over to a break um yeah enjoy the break we'll be back in a minute And welcome on back to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. We are going to talk about gaming news next. So, I am going to let Drongo talk about the RimWorld plushie that is uh, being released here. No, while you were gone, we decided that we were going to do that last. Oh. <laughs> well, whoever editing this, cut that out. And... um. <laughs> or keep it in yeah you know chaos gremlin yeah all right and uh we have some interesting news here about microsoft they actually had made a deal to publish activision which is like a giant 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 mega game thing which would be kind of absurd but the uk blocked it because of cloud gaming which seems like kind of a weird thing in my opinion because like I feel like there's other arguments they could make, but you know, like I don't really. I think see... it just depends on what they're what they consider cloud gaming to be. Like, yeah, I've been looking over it. I'm not. I'm not sure like what falls under the cloud gaming definition. So I googled cloud gaming, and like one of the first things that showed up was like, um, Microsoft apparently has like an Xbox cloud gaming thing, 
And it sounds like it's being defined as, at least online from what I can tell, I don't know about, like, legally and in this thing, but um, it's kind of more defined as, like, gaming where you don't have to download anything and you just play off an internet connection, which, I don't know, man, I'm not huge on it. I don't really see how you can do it without any kind of delay, and, like, any kind of delay you have, it's going to make me motion sick, right? So, so like, GeForce Now or something. yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's going to make okay. me motion sick personally. Like, I don't really see it going far. Like, I don't know. The internet infrastructure is going to need to be way more robust, in my opinion, to really do it well. Mm. I mean, it's it's interesting. I think, realistically speaking, I think it's probably where the future is going to be uh, in terms of what the gaming market is going to be because... If you end up, uh, you know, from a from a purely uh, logistical standpoint, it makes way more sense as a consumer to just buy a you know a piece of hardware that will allow you to um, you know basically rent the more advanced hardware uh, to play a play a game at high higher quality True. than you would otherwise um and yeah you're right about the the internet infrastructure needing to be there and you're right about there being some degree of latency i've i've played um some games via um you know cloud gaming setups and i've personally found that you do definitely notice a little bit of latency um when you first start playing but i think your brain adapts to it very very mm-hmm. quickly uh to a point where it becomes pretty indistinguishable but that is probably also something that is very much hit or hit or miss depending on the the game genre as well and i think you're probably going to notice it more with some games than others yeah anything um i think it is worth noting that the the big thing that kind of put the the stops on this deal is that microsoft already accounts for you know somewhere in the region of like 60 percent of the total cloud gaming services so that's a big a big amount of control to be already adding into an already big purchase of activision so uh, yeah i think i think it makes sense that they um you know have have put the put a a stop on this for the moment i i don't know what's going to happen next um microsoft has apparently gone back and sought to try and appeal for some regulatory um compromises that would allow them to proceed with the deal but we'll we'll kind of yeah, see what happens my i thought suppose is, like i'm a little worried about them like completely taking up the market just in gaming in general because like xbox mm-hmm. game pass is already massive and then they're like they would probably add all yeah. of activision's catalog to xbox game pass if they did that right if it's not already on there i don't know you know 100%. but well so that's that's the argument to proceed yeah. is that activision content will become available on game pass but windows already has xbox and xbox live and game pass and azure and you know the main uh pc gaming operating system Mm -hmm. you know like windows is the main platform that accommodates pc gamers 
not to say that like Linux and um, Apple can't do it, but just generally speaking, games are developed for Windows. Yeah. You're not wrong. So I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of yeah. glad in a way that this has been shot down for the time Me being too. because I, I do sort of worry about monopoly in the industry and it's already an issue. Yeah. With everything consolidating. Yeah. I agree. Making a higher barrier to entry for something yeah. so I artistic really would suck. Um, well, I mean, I don't even know in terms of the context of specifically like uh having a cloud gaming service whether that's you know you know creating an art of like it's not something that would necessarily create a higher barrier to entry for say indie devs or something like that it's more about the actual um you know exclusivity of having certain titles on on a platform service and who controls that service you know same as like uh you know having every single tv show bought up and by netflix and not really having any kind of competition and there's arguments to be kind of made for pros and and cons to the you know competition in that sort of market but i think ultimately microsoft is already hella big and it probably doesn't benefit anybody for it to be even bigger so yeah i i don't i don't personally see any issues with this um, we'll see what oh, happens. Who wants to talk about Gollum? <laughs> I, I, I can talk about Gollum. Sure. Right, you can. Go ahead, Jess. Lead us. I, I can, I can, I can lead us. So I actually, okay. Gollum. It's, it's, is the game just called Gollum? Is the Lord of the Rings Gollum, right? Yeah. The Lord of the Rings Gollum. It's the newest, um, Lord of the Rings spin. It's coming out soon, TM, where you play as Gollum. And so that's set to release in approximately a month, which I did not realize. Like, I, I was still thinking that this was, like, years away for some reason, but it's coming out next month on May 25th, and it's being released, the standard edition, for $50, but the developers, uh, Daedalic, Daedalic? Daedalic. Daedalic. Thank you. They have released or they are offering a, another version that consumers can purchase called the Precious Edition, aptly named. And it includes some things like emotes, some, a lore compendium, a soundtrack, but it also has a Sindarin voiceover, which is meant to replace a lot of the like spoken, like, I, I suppose, English voice acting in the game with like the actual language of Tolkien, like Sindarin itself. So there's a little bit of spattering throughout the base game of Sindarin, but like they had to actually train voice actors to speak Sindarin fluently and then be able to, you know, like act it. And so they're charging an additional $10 essentially for a few add-ons plus the, the voice acting version the voice acted version the Sindarin voice acted version there we go and so some people are like really unhappy about it the developers have asked people to understand the the difficulties behind training a team of voice actors in a whole other language because like it's as far as i'm aware like a real language hmm. yeah and so like has they have to learn to read it and speak it 
and then voice act it. And so apparently that was costly in more than one way. And so for the true Tolkien lovers and nerds, for an extra $10, you can get the the Sindarin voice acting pack. Voiceover pack. Honestly, I think it's well, well worth it if you're really into it. I'm not, but like, uh, I'm not really a Lord of the Ring fan. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I think it'd be worth it. That's so much extra work to put in that, you know, it makes sense. I don't really see why you would be so upset if they had to put that much effort in. I think it's a an interesting decision for them to go that way. I think historically you would be budgeting around the actual retail price of the game and actually aiming to have that as core content and i think that's probably where a lot of people are kind of getting stuck on the idea of having like day one dlc that'll add in extra stuff is they'll probably feel like well you know this should have just been in the base game and part of me does wonder you know if people would be as upset if the game was just ten dollars more expensive Mm. for the base game and part of me thinks that maybe they wouldn't be um but you know there is probably a good argument to be made like uh like you mentioned Jess that probably only the the biggest fans of the the genre of the Tolkien Lord of the Rings universe are going to be you know really properly interested and get value from that as well so in some sense it does make sense to only kind of charge people who want to be like immersed in that way to have it i think it's great that they are acknowledging the cost to do it because you know good voice actors are expensive and um you know the actual time and logistics involved to do to both learn a language but then also do like further refinement in terms of like dialect coaching and actually being able to voice act in an entirely different language is actually something that is pretty difficult and very time consuming and as a result like all of these uh voice actors are contractors you know it's going to be very expensive as well so it it does make sense i think it's maybe not the approach that i would have taken to kind of implementing it perhaps but i can also see why they've gone in that direction so yeah i I, I look at this and think it's actually kind of a clever implementation because the, the base game itself mm-hmm. isn't without the Sundaran voice acting. It's just, it's correct there. Yeah. But when you're exploring the world, apparently like your these interactions will just occur in whatever language the game is in and not the Sundaran language. And so I, I personally would be glad to pay an extra $10 to be able to like, crank it up a notch and be like yes now we're putting on the nerd goggles you know <laughs> yeah well i'm a massive yeah, same. fan so i'm i'm right there with you <laughs> all right well who would like to talk about our last piece of news um this is exciting okay oh, i i do i do 
So earlier in the week, it was hinted by Ludian Studios publishers or developers of uh, RimWorld that uh, maybe there was some kind of merch in the works that would be coming through and uh, it has been released uh, and revealed that there is going to be a limited release and limited time only release of Thrombo Plushies, which uh, I'm not normally somebody that gets excited over game merch and definitely not somebody who gets excited over plushies specifically. However, I am definitely strongly considering finding some room in this month's budget to get one of these because one, RimWorld is one of my favorite games of all time, and two, it's a thrombo, and it's kind of cute in how hilariously kind of, well, plushy Yeah, no, I, I think so the, I'm, I'm it, the it. intersection of plushy to RimWorld art is like, I think, true to form. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really want one. I kind of wish they did a muffalo, though, to be honest. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I already bought it, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I really wish they had done a muffalo. I think that would have been even cuter, but I'm But happy. the Thrumbos are the majestic creatures of the Rim World. Yeah, they are True. pretty iconic. I, although it would not surprise me if we do get to see... Uh, some other RimWorld merch in the future if this proves to be a profitable venture for them I could easily see them doing some really interesting looking boomalopes <laughs> and muffalos and um, you know maybe like a boom He's rat so or something like that that um, could be quite it's funny. already actually over 300% funded when I purchased it's for for mm. me 567 yeah. Oh my God. Um, I I actually got the uh, ship uh, Project Zomboid one that they did, the Spiffo plushie, and it's adorable. It's really high quality, mm -hmm. actually. Like it's super soft. So, I I haven't looked into this really. Why why is this a thing? What? <laughs> Like, is this intended to fund something for the studio, or is it just, like, a, a fun, fun merch thing for the community? I think it's a fun merch thing. Like, a lot of different... Like, even creators have partnered with Makeship. It's just, like, a fun little merch thing. But you have to have, like, a certain number of people buy it in order for it to actually happen. I think they get a refund if it doesn't happen, of yeah. course. But, I... Yeah. Correct. Um... But, yeah, it's really cool. And, you know, maybe one day we could get a Halcyon one. That would be cool. <laughs> well, so it's... Oh, my God. What what would it be? Would it just oh, be Oh, that would be so cute. A hot potato Poe one. The potato has to get way bigger to do that, though. <laughs> That'd be so cute. I oh, know. Dude. That would be cute, though. That would be cute. I know. Hashtag goals. Oh, that's such goals. So this plushie sells for thirty US dollars. Then there's another one that sells for thirty-four US dollars. It's the plushie plus production design. I don't know what that means. It's just like a digital download thing. I don't know. I didn't get it. Yeah, I just there's no description on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's four dollars more for the production design. Maybe it's just a design document. I don't know. Maybe it's the sketches. 
Oh, yeah, I could see that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I have, no <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> I haven't I haven't bought one yet. I'm still I'm still hesitant, but maybe I will. Who knows? We'll see. Alrighty, well thank you guys so much for listening to the Halcyon Frequency podcast today. Um Durango, would you like to tell us where people can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash bloody drongo. Uh, I stream four nights a week, a variety of different games. You can also find me on Twitter as at the bloody drongo. Yes. Where can people find you? Uh, also on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash W O A H H underscore Jess. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube and Twitter same name except the underscores at the end so w-o-a-h-h-j-e-s-s underscore at the end uh discord and other random internet places as well and i am suey it is spelled s-u-w-e-y you can find me on twitch suey um youtube at suey and then i also have youtube that's at suey streams and most everything else is at suey streams so and that's where you can find me all right thank you guys for watching this episode watching listening to this episode of the housing frequency podcast um something 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 don't turn that dial bye <laughs> good we were supposed to say something about Peter you, the podcast is available all over the place let us know if it's not available um thanking the the people with the P names. Peter Paul and Paul Miles, I think it is. <laughs> the P names. Do you want me to do that? No, I think we'll leave soon? it right as this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and again. Oh my god. Don't turn so that soft, dial. Dude. And again. It, isn't it don't, don't touch, touch that, that dial. dial? I don't know. Close enough, you turn dials. Oh boy. And again, don't touch nor turn that dial. But um <laughs> This is Halcyon Frequency signing off. Yeah, they'll figure it out from that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's job is going to be oh uh God. patching together all of our various outro versions. <laughs> <laughs> so like, Do not make me host is just gonna be scuffed come on